Good morning, church. Why don't you turn to your neighbor beside you and say, good morning. It's good to see you here. So good to be in the house with all of you. Uh, and can we give a hand for all the volunteers who come in early? Our worship team, our visuals, our ushers, our traffic team, the team downstairs, our children's team. We thank you for serving. And those of you online as well, we're so grateful to have you join us. Maybe in the chat, just put there where you're watching from. Could be Chochukang, could be Burdok, could be Uganda. We, we have someone who actually put in the chat, he's watching in at 3 a.m. from Uganda right now, joining us. So welcome, welcome to church. And for those of us here today, if, if you call Grace your home, I want to encourage you to take the next step in your faith and get involved. You know, start serving, whether it's in our welcome team, our traffic team, children's team, youth team, so many teams out there. We would love for you to be a part of us, different opportunities for different people. Uh, serve us, give your time in the talent to serve the house of God. So last week, we began on the first letter of Corinthians entitled Family Matters. As we take time to travel through this letter, let us approach it together as a family that's ready to talk about our matters in this place. See, for the Corinthian church, they had faced many issues because of the cultural influences in their day. And Paul, the apostle who wrote this letter, was trying to encourage them to be a godly family in Christ. So likewise, let's be that family. Let's be the family that's willing to have difficult conversations, honest conversations. One family that doesn't sweep things under the carpet, but the family that is open to address the elephants in the room, but yet doing it in a loving and honest manner to one another. So today, we're looking at the issue of division that happened within the Corinthian church. And uh, for those of us who are taking notes, I encourage all of us to take your notes, whether it's on your phones or on your notepads. The title for today's message is Divided, Shall We Take a Poll? Divided, Shall We Take a Poll? And the big idea is this. God desires His family to be united in purpose in Christ. God desires His family to be united in purpose in Christ. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, Help us to be united as a family in purpose in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Have you ever had a disagreement with someone? And uh, personally to me, I feel as a Singaporean, if there's anything that Singaporeans uh, have, you know, di would disagree on, it would be, where's the best food in Singapore? Where to find the best food in Singapore? Even our food bloggers and influencers, uh, they don't even dare to say where's the best place. You know? For example, if you read food blogs, they'll say the top five places for best chicken rice in no specific order. No one dares to say who's the best. Or the best places to find your chendo fix. No specific place again. See, there is no single out best place because the truth is this. We are all divided on where truly is the best when it comes to food. Some of you love Badok Batomi. Some love Bugi Badok Batomi. You know, there's different preferences. Let's take bubble tea, for example. How many of you enjoy bubble tea? Just a wave of hands this morning. You enjoy bubble tea? Yeah, those of you who love koi, you can give me your hands, raise your hands. Ah, so koi people. Those of you who love chicha, san chen, you know, raise up your hands. Ah, oh, yeah, we got playmate, playmate. Yeah, the rest of you is like, hey, I, I drink kopi, like, what are you talking, you know? Don't worry, I haven't left you out. Those of us who drink kopi, you know, morning coffee mix. If you love toast box, raise your hand. Uh, oh, oh, one of a few here. Yakun? Yakun, anybody? Yakun? Yakun? <laughs> yeah. More hands going about. See, 
Just on coffee alone or bubble tea, there are already different preferences and different camps. You know, I am the Yakun camp, those box. And a very similar scenario happened in the Corinthian church in the first century. Except that for them, it wasn't about toast box or yakun, of course, because there was a major division happening in their church that had serious implications. So speaking of division, today I'll be dividing the message into three main segments. The first, we will discuss about the situation they had. Then we'll talk about the solution that Paul wrote about. And lastly, the so what does this mean for us? So we pick up in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10. Let's read the word. It says here, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Verse 13, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I think God, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. Verse 16, I did baptize also the house of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. Verse 17, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So first, let us take a look at the situation, and that is the division within the Corinthian church. See, we learned from the previous message that there were many issues that the Corinthian church faced, but one of the major things that was raised in this letter was the problem of division, the problem of division that happened within them. And in order to understand, to have a better picture of what happened, we need to first understand the history of how the early church movement happened. For the first few centuries the early, of the early church, believers gathered in homes. As you take a look in Acts chapter 2, you would read that the believers met together, they broke bread in each other's homes. So this meant that the size of the group of families that met together, uh, or the people that gathered together, were dependent on the space that was available in each of these homes. So for those families, you know, or those people who were part of well-to-do families, they would naturally have larger groups of people meeting in their homes. And slowly, division began to arise between different home gatherings. And this grew to a level that it came to the attention of the person who founded this Corinthian church. And that is the Apostle Paul himself. See, at the same time, the day, that day, no, the city of Corinth in that day uh, was a strategic location for commerce that became a bustling trading town, an intersection between the east and the west, where people of different backgrounds and cultures, they would come together to interact. And because of this, status, wealth, prosperity were held in high regard. You know, and naturally, this, this idea of, excuse me, this idea of who I follow and associate with were important factors to one's identity and status living in Corinth. So while they were followers of Christ, they were still people living in Corinth. And the city had a strong influence on its people. The worldly values and the worldly wisdom were seeping into the church. And it affected 
the way they practice their faith as believers. So we notice that there are actually two main problems that contributed to their division. And the first problem is this, the problem of preference over personalities. Preference over personalities. The passage tells us that people were divided over personal preferences. No, I belong to Paul, I belong to Apollos. Different groups had their personal favorites over who was a better teacher to follow. Some followed Apollos, some followed Paul, others followed the Apostle Peter, also known as Cephas. Apollos, he was this man who was known for being a good preacher of the word. He was very charismatic. But whereas for Paul, you know, let's just say that he's a deep theological thinker and uh, very philosophical and he would preach for very, 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 very long time, long periods of time. So in other words, he, he, he could drag on for very long. And slowly, their insistence on personal preferences began to overtake the purpose of Christ over them as one church. And this affected all of them. See, this was a common thing in their world back then where people often gravitated to personal preferences or particular personalities. Whether it was philosophy or religion, students and disciples naturally formed groups to come under a certain teacher. And this association of following a specific teacher formed their identity. It formed who they are. Slowly, this similar approach seeped into the, into the church and it led to separate factions coming out from within that one church. The word division used here in this passage refers to the idea of schism or to tear apart. See, Paul was actually warning the Corinthian church that any form of division is wrong. The people were too consumed by their personal preferences and opinions that they had overlooked the purpose of Christ that he had for them. The second problem we notice is the problem of perception that produced pride. Problem of perception that produced pride in them. We see this in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1 to 4. It says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? In other words, you're not functioning in the spirit, not walking in the spirit. So the Corinthian church had a problem with their perception. They perceived that by holding on to their preferences of following certain teachers like Paul, Peter, or Apollos, they were becoming more spiritual than others. However, Paul revealed to them that they were far from being spiritual. In fact, they were the opposite. They were behaving as infants that were led by their flesh instead of the Spirit. Instead of boasting about Christ, they were boasting about the people they followed in order to demonstrate their spiritual elitism as though that they have arrived in their spiritual maturity. And the pride that they had led to jealousy and strife that were amongst the people. This idea of my preference is better than yours. So I get to say more, I get to you know, influence more people. I get to have more say. The Corinthian church had allowed their minds to be led 
by cultural influences in the city of Corinth. Their perception of being spiritual was measured by the worldly understanding of what it meant to be wise or spiritual. And this problem of perception for Corinthian church revealed their immaturity in thinking. They probably had the best thinkers and preachers of the word in their day. Come on, Apostle Paul, Peter, Apollos, all these incredible men of faith, and yet they had missed the point of the gospel because they were divided over their preferences. Which tells us that it's not about the message or the source of the message or the gospel that was the problem. It was their perception. They were clouded by their fascination for wisdom and teachers more than Christ himself. So Paul wrote that the gospel message is both milk and solid food. See, milk because it is the good news for salvation and solid food for understanding the entire Christian life that is based and shaped upon Christ's crucifixion. So the source of the diet that they had is not the issue. It is their perception that was the problem. They had a wrong perception of the value and the power of the gospel. And this led to a corruption of values held within the church, whereby causing more strife, more jealousy, and ultimately division to take place. So what was the solution to these problems that caused division for them? The solution that Paul wrote was this, to stay true to the foundation of Christ. To stay true to the foundation of Christ. What did it mean for them to stay true to the foundation of Christ? It meant that because of Christ, they were to be a people that built on the foundation of Christ. See, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 10 says, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care of how he builds upon it. Verse 11, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ himself, Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If, anyone work, if anyone's work is burnt up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Paul was describing through this passage that Christ is the foundation. And whoever entered thereon to build from there would build upon the foundation of the gospel of Christ crucified. And Paul started by describing himself as that person who first laid upon the foundation of Christ. In other words, he was referring to himself as this spiritual father, the one that planted this Corinthian church right from the start. He's their master builder. And anyone else who came through, whether Apollos or Paul or any other apostle, would build upon what he has established. So the solution was to stay true to the foundation of Christ what Christ has done to begin with and not who was a better teacher, who preached better. The measure of their spirituality was not on how much they listened to the word of God or the gospel through different people, but the measure of it was on how much they had lived out the gospel through their lives. The idea of gold, silver, precious stones represent what's compatible with the foundation, that is the gospel. 
And any human wisdom apart from Christ will perish when Christ returns to judge. So what is compatible are values and the outworkings of the gospel versus the values and behaviours of human wisdom that leads to immaturity, pride and jealousy. Gold, silver and precious stones bring beauty to a certain design. So anyone who, who would build on the foundation of Christ needs to use these materials to build because it would magnify and beautify God's temple. It's, the second thing is it's also, meant to, it's also meant to stay true to the foundation of Christ because they were people that belonged to God. It was because of Christ because they were people that belonged to, to God. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16 and 17 says, Do you not know that you are God's temple? and God's Spirit dwells in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. So ultimately, those who have received the gospel belong to God. They do not belong to anyone else like Paul or Apollos, but they belong to God himself. And Paul is trying to shift their focus from the concept of being one in, in, to a person, but one as a family of God. See, the word you that was used here in this verse has a plural reference to the church as a people of God. Collectively, as a people who belong to God, the Corinthian church was the temple of God and His Spirit dwelt in them. The word temple in the original Greek refers to the actual sanctuary where God resides and dwells, which meant that they were to be holy and set apart for God's purposes because God is holy. They were not to be set apart for any other person. They were just purely set apart for God. For the Corinthians, the city over there actually had more than 20 over temples dedicated to different gods. But as followers of Christ, Paul was reminding them that there was only one temple and that was God's temple that was present through the unity of all believers. So any form of division towards God's temple was an outright rebellion against God and a misrepresentation of God. So what this meant was that because they belonged to God, their preferences was not the priority. God's word and the work of Christ need to remain as their priority. Because they belong to God, any form of division or actions that hurt the church would hurt and grieve the Holy Spirit and would have very serious consequences because this unity destroys the very one temple that they were all part of in God. And the Bible says that God will destroy anyone that brings division to His temple. And because they belong to God, they had a higher calling to represent God to their world. Not to represent charismatic teachers of the Word, but to represent God to a culture and society that was far from Him. So what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us today as a church, as a family of God? See, while the issues of the division of, in the Corinthian church was because of preferences and perceptions, likewise, in our world today, this problem remains true. People hold value to the associations they have with personalities because it creates a certain level of respect along with it. See, some of us might say, oh, I followed 
Jordan Peterson online, I've been seeing him for the longest time, you know, or Gary V or Simon Sinek, I follow all these thinkers and, and people who are smart and wise. And maybe for us today, we also hold value to the leader we associate with in terms of our preference. For example, we may have our own preference when it comes to different pastors that preach on this platform. Some would say, I follow senior pastor, Pastor Wilson. Others prefer Pastor Joey Asher or, or some would say, oh, I prefer Pastor Ming Chan only. Only when Pastor Ming Chan preach, I, I think that's the best. Or Pastor Peter for that matter. Some of us prefer a deep theological expository sermon that has truth bombs after truth bombs. Some of us prefer a sermon, a message that is more, has more application and is more relevant to today. While others of us prefer that we just want to laugh, make the person, be, as long as the person is humorous, that's fine. I want to laugh. And I step out of here, after hearing 40 minutes of sermon, the thing I remember most is, ah, it was so funny. <laughs> he, he thought about his family quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> and he'd forget everything about the Word of God. See, over time, people gravitate to whom they prefer. And division may unknowingly happen. We start to witness people showing up only when their favorite speaker is rostered. The greater problem happens when we hold on dearly to our preferences and perceptions, thinking that this would mean that we're becoming more and more spiritual. Oh, I just love... Sorry, I, I talk about elephants in the room. Huh? Oh, I, I just love how Pastor Ming Cham, when he preached, every time I listen to him, I feel I'm growing maturely in my spiritual faith. See, maybe it's not local pastors. Maybe it's someone outside of our church or even overseas that you've been tuning into. Oh, I only listen to Edmund Chan during the week. Oh, Benny Ho, you know. Oh, no, uh, Tim Keller, Tim Keller. Or oh, Craig Rochelle or Stephen Furtick. Oh, I follow uh, Francis Chan anytime. See, the list goes on and on. And our pride goes up and up because of these preferences and camps that we find our belonging in. Maybe it's even that small group, that grace group that you belong to, that you prefer to attend. Because I've tried that, I don't really like this, I, I want this one. This, there's someone there who's always teaching the word and I prefer this. Or a particular ministry that you feel more attached to. I only want to serve in this ministry because this is the best. This is the only place I can serve. See, we all have our preferences. But we must never allow these things to replace the value and purpose of Christ in us as a church. The point was never about Apollos or Paul. It is never about our senior pastor or John Piper or Craig Rochelle. Although these people are good, they're good, great servants of God that God uses, but we must always remember this, that as a family of God, as a church of God, our allegiance is not to good people, but to a great God. Our allegiance is to a great God. We don't come to service for a particularly, particularly good speaker. We don't come to church just to worship, worship oh, you know, just come and receive, oh, receive, receive. But we come to worship God and to exalt Christ corporately. See, this worship service is not about us. It's about God. And it's for God. Our gathering is not a time for us to get tickled with great quotes, you know, and, and earworms on a weekend. Yet we fail to apply a single word of truth in our everyday lives. See, our spirituality should not be built upon worldly wisdom, but on the word of God and the work of Christ. Church is not meant to be a place where we come to grade our experiences. 
Oh, you know, last week the word was so good. Wow, the so and so was speaking. And this week, Pastor John, ah, okay, la, la, so so, and la. Uh, next week will be better. Uh, next week we come back. Uh, next, week, next week I'll invite my friend. This week, uh, uh. See, we laugh because it's true. See, rather, church is meant to be a place where God's presence and power resides in us and is released through us as we go into the world. Our maturity as followers of Christ is not determined by just how much we listen to the Word of God on weekends, on, on Saturdays or Sundays, but by how much we live and apply this Word throughout the week. So the question is, how are we becoming more like Christ personally and corporately as the church? You will notice that in Paul's writing to the Corinthian church, he always used this term, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, very often. And this points to the idea of intimacy and closeness as a family. Not as strangers or friends, but family. Why? Why do you use this term? Because no matter how difficult things may be, between people in a family, it does not change their identity as one family. No matter how upset I am with my sister, it does not change the truth that she's still my sister. She can go to ICA and change her surname, but she's still my sister. Why? Because we are related in our blood. It's what binds us together. Even if she were to change her looks or her name or anything, it doesn't change her as my sister. Why? Because the DNA reveals our relationship as family. And likewise, as the church of God, we are the family of God. We are a new family in Christ. And what binds us together is the blood of Jesus Christ that has been poured out for the forgiveness of our sin. Our identity as a family is because of Christ. And now, God's Spirit dwells and resides in us. So no matter how upsetting or difficult things can be, no matter how irritated may, some of us may feel at church, at the end of the day, we belong to God and we are His family. So even if there are challenges that we may face ahead, we know that we are able to deal with it in a better way because of Christ. Our purpose as God's family is not to promote our own preferences, but our purpose is to proclaim Christ to the world. See, in order to, in order to present Christ to the world as one united body, we need to always first look at ourselves and resolve the deeper issues within our hearts. Let us be a family that surrenders our personal preferences and perceptions to be a united people in Christ. See, Ephesians 4 verse 3 says this, make every effort, not a bit of effort or half past six, not 50% or 80%, but every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So as believers, we are to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. And I want to encourage us today, one practical way for us is to start by reconciling with others. So reconcile with people. Maybe some of us here, we have been affected and offended by someone. Let us make every effort to talk to that relevant person. To that person. If someone has affected you, don't go around talking to everybody about that person. Talk to that person. Speak to them in love out of the genuine heart for God to be established in our relationship. See, I would encourage all of us to do it in a biblical manner where we can bring in a third person 
that can help facilitate reconciliation between each other. Speak to your leaders, speak to your pastors if you need any godly advice or support in this matter. And for all of us who call grace our home, let's focus on building the foundation of Christ, on the foundation of Christ. If any of us hear something that may not be edifying or may potentially lead to division, whether it's oh, this person's leadership style or something happened over there, let's not remain silent, but let's be loving enough to direct one another to reconcile in a godly manner. See, another practical way that we can start with is to serve, to serve one another, to move from being a person that just comes and consumes or receives over the weekend, but to a person that gives, a person that serves God and His people. See, serving helps us to appreciate others, appreciate others better. Because when we serve, we are focusing on the needs of others first. Serving enables us actually to become more like Christ. Because the Bible says that Christ did not come to be served, but to serve. So if Christ is that, if we say we want to become more like Christ, start serving. Start serving. And there are many opportunities for us to do that. You can start with your grace group today. Start talking to your leader and your team and just saying, how can I start contributing and giving to our grace group? Or some of us may be thinking, oh, I want to serve in, in different ministries in our church. Just you can just simply go on to our website, graceaog.org slash serve and look at all the multiple opportunities that are there for you to be a part of, to take a next step to serve. And another practical way that we can also start is to pray as a family, to pray for one another. Ephesians 6 verse 18 says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. And always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. See, let's not just be a people that provide lip service. You know what do you mean by lip service? Oh, you hear something? Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll be praying for you. I'll be praying for you, man. See you next week. And next week comes, oh, I'll be praying for you again. Don't worry. And we always talk about praying for others, but we never genuinely sit down and pray for them. And I want to encourage us to genuinely commit to pray for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And more than that, let's pray together as a family. See, the family that prays together stays together. Imagine how united we can be as the family of God when we focus on praying for one another. When we do that, we, we move beyond looking at ourselves and look to the needs of others and focus in on God within us. See, we also have this opportunity to pray together. And like what you heard earlier, this July, we, we are going through a 40-day of prayer for our nation. And I believe some of us, we, we feel affected by the things that we are seeing in our, in our society today. I want to encourage us as believers in God, that we have a God. That our God is alive and He's moving. And our role is to seek Him. Our role is to humble ourselves and come together and pray and seek His face and say, God, would you come and move in our land? Instead of complaining and, and discussing about all the issues that we face, why don't we come together and, and seek His face and unite in prayer together as a family of God and see the move of God in our land? So I want to encourage us. Let's not be people who just talk about the issues of our land or the world, but let's be people that pray together and intercede together for this land for our world. 
So start with these practical ways. Reconcile with one another. Serve one another and pray for one another. See, and do whatever we can to stay true to the foundation of Christ because we belong to God. Don't promote division on the basis of personalities or focus, but rather we, let's, let's focus and invest on things that last, things that produce unity and glorifies God's temple. That is what we are. We are God's temple. So church, we entitled this sermon series, Family Matters. Because there are matters that we need to talk about. But more than that, we know that family matters a lot. Family matters a lot. And what you do represents what you value the most. So let us be the people, the family of God that exalts Christ in all things. Let us put aside our preferences and our perceptions, our differences for the sake of Christ. For the sake of Christ. A godly family stays together no matter how difficult, challenging things may be. And I close with this where we started in Ephesians 1 verse 10. Paul says this, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, not any other name, but the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. God has positioned us as a church family for this nation for such a time as this. And in order to experience the move of God over our city, we need to work internally first to resolve and be resolved in maintaining and building unity in the purpose of Christ. See, the focus is not about uniformity. Rather, it is about standing united on the gospel that we belong to God and whatever we do, we are building on the foundation of Christ crucified. So let us be known not for any form of division but let us be known for that family of God, a people united in purpose in Christ. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes across this room, even online. I would love for you to join me in prayer. And I believe today, God is speaking to us. See, all of us here, we've, we've all been there. We've made mistakes. There were moments where we've pursued our own personal preferences or we have allowed our perceptions to produce pride in us. Maybe for some of us, we've been hurt by someone along the way. Or maybe for others, we have unknowingly hurt others because of what we say or our actions. And whether knowingly or not, all of us may have contributed to some form of division within God's family. And I believe today the Holy Spirit is speaking to every person that is hearing my voice right now to take the next step. Take a next step. Maybe for some of us, the next step is we need God's healing from the hurt that we've experienced. We need His help to reconcile and to forgive others. Maybe for others, the next step is to seek those that you've hurt and to make effort to reconcile with people. For some of us, the next step is to move from being a spectator to start serving and to uphold unity in our church. 
some of us, the Holy Spirit is saying, your next step is to build your unity within your grace group. You've been going there, you've been complaining, but it's time for you to commit and to build your grace group. For others, it could be a ministry that you've been part of and the Lord is speaking to you and saying, no, you need to take the next step to uphold unity, to build unity in your ministry. And today, the Lord is saying, let's all put our personal preferences aside for the sake of Christ and to build unity in Christ. So across this room, with no one looking around, all heads bowed. As the worship team begins to lead us in this song, today, the Holy Spirit is challenging each one of us to take the next step. And if you stand and say, yes, I need to take the next step, whatever that I've just mentioned, you say, I need to take the next step to build this house. This is my house, the family of God. I belong to this family and I want to commit to building unity in this place. If that is you here, if you are able to, as the worship team leads us in this song, stand to your feet and respond in worship. Of you this day, come and heal our land. Need our hearts together that your glory may proceed in us. Then the world will know that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let us be. here who are standing we commit to you Jesus Christ not to any personality or not to any charismatic person or teacher but Lord we commit 
to our Lord Jesus Christ. And today as a church, Lord, we break any division in the name of Jesus. We break anything that is separating us or, or causing things to be torn apart. Lord, we come against that right now. And we speak, Lord, let your love, your peace, your hope unite us on the foundation of Christ. Let us remember what you have done, how you poured your life out for us so that we can be united in your purpose through us. Lord, today we ask for healing. We ask for wholeness in our hearts for those of us who have experienced some pain or offense or affected by someone. Lord, we ask for your healing right now to come into our hearts. And God, we pray for boldness and for courage, Lord, to send us out to take the step to reconcile with others. Let us not be that church that, that just goes around talking about others, but let us be the church that talks to each other to build unity in our ministries, in our grace groups, in our church, in our communities. God, wherever we are, let us be that salt and that light that when people look at God's temple, they see a beautiful temple that represents you on this earth, that the kingdom of heaven is established through the church of God. God, on this earth, Lord, we thank you, God, for your mandate on Grace Assembly. Wherever we are, God, build us as a church to represent you to this world as one family. In Jesus' name.